unadulterated, unfiltered, opinions on pop culture, religion, politics, and everything in between from a biblical perspective, whilst sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Kyle Allen, and this is My Thoughts, My Opinions. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to My Thoughts, My Opinions with yours truly, Kyle Allen. You know, it's been some time um, since my last recorded episode, and there's been a lot of personal changes that have uh, gone on in my life. Um, the main thing going on right now is my transition and my education journey. Um, and I'd definitely be leaving um, Rutgers University and uh, going to uh, Southern New Hampshire online and you know the whole process has been one that it's just amazing to see how much and how in such a little time so much has changed Uh, it feels as if though you know it was just yesterday when I was in uh, my dorm with all of my friends you know laughing making jokes um, you know sitting at my desk in my dorm during um, some of my coursework and then now I have left the university, lost contact with all of those friends that I made, um, and now I'm going somewhere completely different. It definitely has had an impact on me. You know, I kind of, reflecting on it, it did kind of make me sad because much of the uh, experience that's talked about when we're coming into college is that here's where you're going to truly grow into yourself. Here's where you're going to have, you know, friends, friends for your life. And that's where you come in with the expectation. But that is sadly not the reality. The people that I made friends with, I really had a bond with them. Like it was really something, uh, that was special. I loved everyone in my dorm. I got along perfectly. Uh, there were no issues. Everyone was relatively clean. Um, and we got along very quite well. And then now, present day, I don't even speak with those people. Like the connection has been lost. So, you know, I think a lot of people when 2021 is over with are going to be reflecting on the things that they lost. And speaking for myself, I, I definitely lost my college experience, my my college friends. Um, and I would say that would be the biggest thing for me um, that I lost. Right. And, you know, uh, and I don't know if I, you know, said the reason why um, I didn't. But the reason why I'm not going to Rutgers is because of the vaccine mandates in place at this university. Uh, With the vaccine, uh, as always, you know, upon these issues, you are bound to your Holy Spirit shaped conscience. So uh, wherever the the Lord is leading you uh, in your decision making, uh, that's the decision you go with. That is what you stick with, right? You are bound to your convictions. Uh, if you go against your convictions, you are sinning. Anything done outside of faith is sin. So um, there are multiple factors that you have to consider and wrestle with in choosing whether or not you should get the vaccine or not. And those things that you're wrestling with aren't what other people will say or what conspiracy theorists are saying. It's um, refer- I'm referring to the word of God, the questions, um, the questions that may arise. Um, from the word of God that would challenge you on either position that you're leaning toward. And so that's a position that you would have to um, discern and you would have to wrestle with with the scriptures and through prayer and fasting. Uh, but I wasn't convicted to take the vaccine, so I did not go, which means that uh, I wouldn't be able to go to the university because they said that in order to uh, be granted on campus housing, you had to have the vaccine. Didn't want to get that. Uh, didn't want to have to get the vaccine. 
And, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, well, that's not a wise decision. In fact, it actually was. I mean, the way things are panning out now just truly shows that you can trust in God and his sovereignty because he is the one um, who brings all things to pass. Uh, nothing happens without a reason. If I were to go back to Rutgers University, right, get the vaccine and everything, it would be as if I'm starting all over again. You know, as I just said, my friends, they're gone. One of them, uh, my dorm mates, he left. He's going back to school uh, up in New York. Two of my roommates, uh, they transfer onto a different campus. So Rutgers, huge university, they have different campuses. I was at the Camden campus. Two of them have transferred to New Brunswick. And then the other one, um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he transferred to I'm pretty sure he transferred to a university that is not too far from the Camden location. So if I were to go back, I would be completely starting over as if I was a freshman. I wouldn't have any of the friends that I had or the relationships that I built. I would be completely starting over. And so I would be alone. I would be separated. And I don't want to go through that. So that's one thing. Um, also, during the months of which I had online school, being quite frankly, I did trash. Uh, I, I did not do the, the best that, the best that I know that I could do. And so in, in keeping stride with the set graduate, graduation date, attending an online university where their terms are eight weeks long instead of the 15 would allow me to be able to, uh, keep pace with what, of how things were naturally supposed to go, right? Going through the four years, going through the four years, 2023 graduate. Um, and then also at the same time, spending less money. I'm not going to have to pay for a dorm. So uh, I truly praise God for how beautifully everything worked out, right? Being able to still be home with my family and talk to them, minister to them. It's amazing how the Lord works everything out. I don't know what's happening a hundred years from now, today, tomorrow, or the next few seconds. Uh, but I know that God works all things out for the good of his people, um, whether it be in their perfect health, uh, in their sickness or their death. Um, nothing is meaningless. And God is the one who uh, is behind it. And he is the one who is going to bring good out of it, as always. So uh, definitely a big change in my life. You know, we're just going to just keep moving. You know, a lot of this life that I'm learning and it's challenging and frustrating that Nothing is ever uh, streamlined. It's never just a straight shot. It always is some curve or some loop or some dip um, that has to be taken on, you know, you arriving to a destination. But what's most important is that you get there, right? It's not how you started. It's how you finished. I don't know necessarily how, how things are going to pan out from there. I have a general plan on what I plan to do. But, I mean, who knows? Things can be thrown in. You know, a wrench can be thrown in again. and I have to pivot again, but I have an idea of where I want to go. So uh, now it just takes Nick taking those necessary steps um, and getting there and then moving um, forward to that. Aside from what's going on with me personally and sharing that bit, one of the uh, few topics that I wanted to get into was uh, the events that happened at Howard University. To get you up to date on the issue uh, around October, and if I'm not mistaken, this is still going on, uh, students were protesting the university. Uh, reading from an NPR article by Jonathan Franklin, quote, since the start of the fall semester, students say they've raised concerns regarding mold in the walls of their dorms, the lack of COVID-19 testing for students, and the overall safety on campus, according to DC, DCS slash WAMU. As of last month, mold, have been, mold has been discovered in 34 rooms on campus, according to local news station WJAL-TV. There are roughly 2,700 rooms on Howard's campus. Quote, There really doesn't seem like there is a plan of action, freshman Kadrina Torini said in an interview with WJLA. Torini said that Given her issues with on-campus housing, she is considering transferring from Howard after completing her first year, saying the campus doesn't live up to the expectation she had prior to moving in. And also, I was seeing stuff like many, many students weren't even 
didn't even have housing uh, that many of the students uh, attending Howard at, that, uh, at this time are homeless and, and were, did not have uh, housing uh, granted to them. And, you know, if you were uh, on social media at all, you search up the hashtag uh, Howard University, various videos recorded by students of the conditions in those dorms. I even saw uh, one particular instance where this young lady uh, was in her lab class and one of the, if people, you know, not familiar with science class, chemistry, but when you're in lab, right, especially if you're talking about chemistry and you're dealing with chemicals, a super important piece of safety equipment that every class needs to have and working is an eye wash station. So if something gets into your eye, be it a chemical or something else, you want to be able to wash that out, right? Because that can have damaging effects on your eyes. And so you need that. That's an important piece of equipment. And the young lady went up to it and she pulled it to activate the water. No water was coming out. So God forbid if someone was working in that lab and something like that happened. The safety equipment that's supposed to be there for them is not there at all. It's not working. And so you have quite honestly, you have hazardous uh, you have a high hazardous living environment um, that these students are being subjected to. And this is what I really want to speak on. The narrative and the overall movement that's, that's going on with black people, this, this black business, buy black, support black, you know, join the movement, support black. The problem with that is that the notion of being good or the best is completely voided. Because I'm a black person and you too are black, therefore I have to support you without taking in the fact of whether or not what you're providing is of any good or of any quality, whether you have good customer service or not, whether or not you are the most supportive or whatever the case may be. None of the other factors matter. Just because you're black, I now have to support you and give you everything that I have. And this is the problem that creates. Black people, well, not all black people, but these pro-black people, this pro-black movement are telling black people to accept less just because we want to support something that's black. That is a wrong message. What should actually be said to this movement is that don't just be black, be the best. Being black isn't enough. You being black isn't enough of a selling point for someone to buy from you, to support you. You actually have to be good. I mean, how dare you abuse the community of people who are willing to support you and abuse them in that way? Oh, well, they're going to support me anyways. I don't have to concern about, you know, producing the best of my quality or not. They're going to support me anyways. So much of what's being spread about this, you know, support black is that you're telling black people to accept less. And have not black people been doing that for long enough? And I saw this very similar conversation on the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall, Chad Ochocinco. And they were saying like, because um, for those of you who are not into sports, but the ratio of black athletes that go to predominantly white institutions, PWIs to HBCUs, is a huge, a huge difference. I mean, it, it, it completely outweighs um, those who end up attending HBCUs. And they were saying that Oh, well, well, kids just have to, they just have to buy into the movement, right? They just have to be the first ones who end up setting it off. And, you know, they're just going to have to stick through that. And I was just like, why are you telling kids that? And for one, would you even tell your kid that? Because many of these people who are end up pushing these conversations and end up saying these things, they themselves don't believe that. You're telling us to support something that's black. When you don't even live in a predominantly black neighborhood, sir, you live in Calabasas. Sir, you send your you send your son to a private school. 
So there's a disconnect in what you're saying. You don't even believe the very same things you're talking about. You don't believe in the narrative that just support black and be that person of influence and, and change and you be the, the, the person that ends up changing and breaking things and changing the narrative. You don't believe that. You know what you do? You get your children the best. You get yourself the best. But then now you're telling us to accept less because we want to be able to change things. No, things aren't going to change into the mindset that I have to be more than just black. I have to be the best at what I do. I have to make people want to come support me and buy me. Until it's that, it's never going to change. People always, black people are always going to have to be subject themselves to poor quality. And even just when they were talking about that, like, why should I have to attend a university that has inferior facilities? Why should I have to do that? If I'm a tap, because look, I'm coming in with my best. I'm the top crew athlete. I'm five stars. I'm the best. So why then am I going to downgrade my offers? Why am I going to take less? If I'm the best, I'm also going to look for people who are going to supply and to fund my talent. My talent demands these Benefits, it demands these funds. Pay me what I'm pay me what I'm worth. PWIs are able to do that. But no, you say to the to the to the young kid who's worked his butt off to get to the point where he's at. I understand that you you made it this far and that you did all this, but you don't have to do that. You could just go to HBCU. Yeah, I know they don't have the good trainers. Yeah, I know they don't have uh the physical therapist. Yeah, I know they don't have a nutritionist there. No, I, they don't have the, 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 the cafe or the, the locker rooms or things of that nature. You, but you're good enough to overcome that. You're good enough to, to step beyond that. What is this, this, this slave mindset of overcoming and having a challenge and to suffer through things? Why are you subjecting another generation of people to that? And why have you so diluted the quality that actually does come to black business? You've literally diminished black businesses just to their very color. We don't speak about any of the actually good black businesses that actually provide good products because you're just so focused on the fact, oh, well, they're black. And they're trash at everything else. And many people, many of the the Dr. Bill Morris, brother, brother, brother. No, people know exactly what I'm talking about. Women, perfect example. When you go and get your nails done, excuse me, go and get your hair done. And you are scheduling an appointment through a, a stylist on Instagram, right? And she's also a black woman. How is that customer service? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because the conversation is not be the best at what you do. What's being delivered is just the aesthetic of being black and there's no substance or quality there. Because I guarantee you these very same events that are going down at Howard, because I even found that interesting, the way that the university was reacting and how quickly it was moving. It was as if like they didn't care. Like, oh, like y'all going to ride out with us, like y'all here with us. I guarantee I put my money on it. If something black mold, black mold, even if found in one dorm. At a PWI, Penn State, Rutgers, Harvard, Duke, you let that happen there. Oh, man. The amount of pressure that's coming at them. They getting that fixed within a week. But here we see this playing around like, oh, because y'all got us. Y'all black, right? You support black. You came here to an HBCU. You going to support us, right? You going to ride through us through the thick and thin. No, I'm sorry. I am a student. I am paying my money. 
And as someone who is paying their money to get an education, I demand the best. I'm putting my money down on the line. I'm going to pay and ask for the best. And if you don't offer that, I'm sorry, I'm moving on. That's all that it is. People so much want to submit color into everything when it's really about who is serving my own best interests. That very simple principle applies to everything, politics, schools, um, businesses, right? Services. It applies there. And I guarantee you this mindset is foreign to other races. They don't they don't they don't believe in that. We say, oh, well, well, they they hire they own. They do that. I guarantee you the fact that they look like them. For most people, I'm saying most people speaking generally, that that if you do see them hiring their own, that was just a bonus. They're hiring them because of the fact that they do the best job. That's the only reason. When I get on a plane, I'm not trying to go up in the cockpit and be like, oh, no, I can't ride this plane. I can't. Oh, oh you, you ain't a brother. What? Sir, can you fly the plane? My life is on the line. I want you to be able to know how to do your job and to do it well. I want to know that you're licensed. I don't care if you're black. That's not an issue here. You need to be good at you need to be good at flying this plane, sir. But now all these goofy people in these woke messages like, like, oh, like, even if he ain't certified, even if he don't necessarily have the proper training or is doing anything of of good, we still gonna rock with him. That is the most illogical, stupid mindset that I've ever heard. It does not make sense. And you don't see that practice in any other race. And so because this narrative has been going around, has been pushed around onto many young black people and black people in general, that's why I feel that Howard University feels that they can get away with that and get over on students because they know that many students are wrapped up in the whole image of supporting black and, and, and being black and being part of that experience. But to those young black people, I say, you don't have to accept less. You don't have to take the thing that is of lesser quality. You deserve the best. You're paying your money for something. You are providing your own skills. You demand the best and you should not take anything less. That's all that has to be said upon that. That's it. If they're also black as well. So, I mean, perfect example. Right. And even though, once again, this wouldn't even necessarily be affected to me, it wouldn't matter to me. But if you are uh, necessarily, I guess you can say, for example, if you're hiring um, some people to, I don't know to build a fence and you trying to decide between two companies. One's a, a black owned company and one is maybe let's say white. And both of these are, these companies are phenomenal. Like they are absolutely killing it at what they do provide wonderful services. Both of them to break the tiebreaker. You can go with the fact that they're black. You can go with that and that would be totally fine. And that would make sense. But their skin color should not be the very presiding factor on whether or not they get your money or they get um, to have you. That should not be the, the, the point of uh, the point of your decision at all. And moving on from that, I would want to speak on Kyle Rittenhouse. This has been another one where, you know, people's brains they're completely turned off. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know how they're coming away with this. But people never surprise me. On August 25th, 2020, Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old from Antioch, Illinois, fatally shot two men and wounded another in Kenosha, Wisconsin, during the protest riots and civil unrest that followed the shooting of a black man, Jacob Blake, by a white police officer. Rittenhouse and the three men he shot were white. That's it. Just off that, people lost their minds. 
oh, well, no, he, he's guilty. He need to go to jail. He killed those people. Da, 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 da. Let me say this. The media has caused so much damage. All of these false prophets, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, you will have to face God for the very things that you have done. And those people who are following those false prophets as well, you too are under God's judgment and you will face his judgment for following those false prophets. The level of goofiness that, that, that has come down to this, it's like, okay, he was not someone who was just coming from Florida up to Wisconsin to do damage. Antioch is on the border of Wisconsin. It's literally a hop, skip, and jump, right? And his father lived in Kenosha as well. And so he has, he has ties to that location to begin with. And then when you get down to that very night, these people were chasing him, chasing him. He was running away from the action and from these people who were trying to harm him. That's one. And then on top of that, you have a gunshot going off and a man running at you who's also trying to he's trying to hurt you, possibly kill you. That's self-defense. I don't I don't know what else we need to be talking about here. What what why does it why is everybody so up in arms? I don't. Now, if you want to go in a direction of okay, if this was a black person, would it have been the same verdict? Would it still be seen as self-defense? Da 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 da. And to that I would say, I don't know. Do I have confidence that it will go the same way? I don't. But is that because all oh, the white man, these white people, just corrupt judgments, this, that, and the third? No. What I see is the sinful nature present in all men. I see that fall in the garden and the sin that came from that has touched all of man. Man is totally fallen. And as a result, we see all of this brokenness and wickedness and injustice. That's not only present in white people, but in black, white, Hispanic, Asian, whomsoever. If you are a human being, son of Adam, you are capable and do these very same things. Hands of murderers, feet that run to do evil, truth slain in the street. Encouraging others to also do evil. You are complicit into this as well. So that's how I necessarily see it, right? When it comes down to this differences of like, oh, well, if it was. A... No, these injustices are based off sin and the wickedness. That's that's what racism is sin, guys. It's sin. To hate another person that's created in the image of God, just like you, off the fact that they have a different skin color. Having hate for your brother in the Bible says, even if you hate your, if you hate your brother, if you're angry, you've committed murder in your heart. This is sin. And this is the wickedness of man. Man sees the differences of color when deciding justice. Man sees the age and the, the different things going on in the situation. God doesn't. I believe it's in Exodus 20 that it says that. Don't give false witness even to the, the, the poor man. God's justice is not a justice that is wishy-washy, pick and choose. No, you stand before God for the very sins that you've committed. You've broken God's law. It isn't the fact that, oh, well, I was trying to. No, we're not here to talk about that. And so you just see the, the, the purity and the, the differences between the two. And I really com take comfort in that, right? And when the Bible says, do not take revenge for, re for revenge is the Lord's, I know that though these people may escape human judgment and the institutions that God has created 
on this earth to be his uh, arm of justice. I know one thing that they can't escape death. Every man must die. And you must see God. And that judgment of God is either going to fall two places. It's either going to fall on your own head or it's going to fall on the head of his son. You can't beat that. There's nothing greater. There's, there's no greater payment for the debt that you have amassed with your sins in the blood of Christ. There's no topping that. That's, that's it. Right? God is perfect in all of his ways and good in all of his ways. So the judgment will be suit for your sins, your wages. It will be paid according to you. And so you can see that necessarily as a swear jar in the fact that each time you sin, you, you replace a dollar in the jar. And all of this has been piled up. And then God said, I will pay it to you on that day. And to all of my anger has been spent till it's been satisfied. So I have trust in that. I have trust in God. I have trust in his justice that the decision made by man uh, when someone is innocent or guilty, I know that if, if, if it was wrong or unjust in any way, that it will ultimately be rendered and settled by God. And I know that the problem isn't the, the white man. The problem is sin. And the only person who can solve that is Jesus Christ because we're dealing with the hearts of men. No philosophy or new um, teaching can change that except the Lord Jesus himself. So that's, that's what I have to say. And to also the Christians on, 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 online um, who are having these discussions, stop being so moist. Stop being so cringe. For you to sit up here and say they, need to, they should have made him guilty, bongos, what is wrong with you? You belong to Christ. We are people of truth and of integrity. We honor that. I don't want someone who is innocent to be guilty, and I don't want someone guilty to be innocent. I love justice. We all do, and that's what we want to see. So for you to sit up here and be like, oh, this man should have been guilty when he, he is innocent, is self-defense. That's off, bro. That's off basis. That, that, ain't, that ain't it, man. That ain't it, bro. So, yeah, I just need y'all to, man, child, please. Y'all make my head hurt, bro. No lie. But transitioning into the next thing that I want to talk, talk about is the dating world. As obviously as a 20-year-old man, um, especially coming up with the holidays, uh, those cringe conversations are going to arise. Oh, what's going on with the ladies, Kyle? It's like, bro, I, I think you have other stuff you need to be minding, like your business. Uh, so... Those conversations are going to be coming up around the corner. I don't necessarily get upset with with the people, older people who end up asking that question and people in general. Because, you know, they don't know the landscape and how much it's changed. So much has changed in, in, in regards to how men and women interact and how they begin relationships together. And so to to introduce some of the conversations that have gone on and how things have changed in the landscape I want to you know first start off with this that a lot of the change that has come has been brought forth by the concerns and complaints by women women have been the lead and the the ones leading the charge in this Reformation, if, if, if you will, in the dating landscape. And it's coming from both women who are both lost and regenerated by the Holy Spirit and have been saying that men approaching us isn't the way to go. We don't want that. And they've been saying this plenty of times, different, different social media apps and forums saying that when men approach them, it makes them uncomfortable it creeps them out. It annoys them. And where women are coming from with this, it is actually a legitimate place where they're coming from. Because 
so many instances in weird places where you have men who end up approaching women. The woman, you know, politely declines. He ends up killing her or something of that nature or a woman being aggressively approached or harassed or beat up. So women necess- de- do uh, have necessarily a, uh, a concern and an issue with that, uh, with men approaching them. But they've just been saying, don't approach the women who you don't know. Don't approach us at the gym. Don't approach us at work. Don't approach us at school. Don't approach us on the sidewalk. And so men are receiving all these messages. And much of what's going on in the media has been to demonize men. And I want to tell you that the majority of men don't want to creep women out, don't want to make women uncomfortable. So when they see that, I mean, for one, they throw their hands up in the air, right? Because what can we do? And then they just end up withdrawing. And I think that that's literally what's led to a whole movement called the Red Pill Movement is men walking away, you know, men going their own way, saying that, hey, I, I had enough of playing these games and I, I, I don't want to do it anymore. And um, a lot of men have withdrawn from the space. And I, in, in some regards, I mean, I have uh, because I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person who um, is, is stepping to a woman and um, is the one who's going to make her uncomfortable or, 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 creep her, or creep her out. But I don't, I don't understand where, where women forget that, right? Yes, you have legitimate concerns here. But what you're saying and what you're pushing, you can't be surprised when there's a result, right? Cause and effect. If you say that you don't want men approaching you and you feel uncomfortable when men approach you, men aren't going to approach you. I'm mean, sorry, that, that's how it works. Men are not going to approach you. If you say that, oh, well, 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 hold on. Why are the men approaching us no more? Because look at what you've been saying. You've completely demonized that activity. Men aren't going to approach you. I'm not going to approach you. And so, and honestly, <laughs> uh, to translate what women are saying, women don't want men who they don't want approaching them. If women find them attractive, they have no problem with you approaching them. You can you can get away with anything. I mean, you can get away with sexual harassment if the woman likes you, being honest. If the woman deems you to be cute, you can get away with the cringiest, weirdest, creepiest stuff. I literally heard an instance in which a guy had walked up to a girl, like completely don't even know each other and started talking with her and just randomly kissed her out of nowhere. And she ended up smiling and giggling. But when a woman finds you attractive, man, you, you got the leeway. You can do whatever you want. It's, it's only creepy and weird um, if they deem you to be ugly or unattractive. And that's a whole other uh, dynamic to the conversation. But I really feel that things are moving in the direction of online. Whether or not that's biblical or the ideal space and how to do that. I'm not arguing for that here. I'm just saying that this is where we're all right now. And I don't think that it's going back anytime soon. I think this is where things will be progressing. Um, that interactions and engagements, um, starting up relationships and marriages will be happening um, pretty much exclusively online because that is one of the only neutral spaces that exists, right? Where I'm not up, I, I'm not up in your face and I'm not in your space or uncomfortable. If you think that I'm doing too much, go to go go to my account blocked. That's it. You can easily end that right there. But um, if you are interested in me, you can go through. You can see my profile, who I am, some pictures, and um, start a conversation there. Uh, but obviously, I do see a problem in that because much of what is going into the vetting process is looks. And so you are determining the relationship based on that and not any of the other factors. And so that's a huge problem. It kind of just creates this um, consumeristic uh, way of dating. And it definitely has trickled down because many people um, see relationships out of, okay, what can I get out of this and what can you do for me? Right. So if you are, it's transactional, right? I give you this, I give you that. 
which really isn't love, especially the love that's spoken about in the Bible, especially between a marriage and uh, a union between a man and a woman. Not 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 the case at all. But sadly, um, it is going in that way. The only other physical space um, that does still exist for men to approach women uh, would be the local church. Um, so praise God um, that the Lord has provided an opportunity there. But if you're not a Christian male, and I was personally advising you, like if whether or not you should approach a woman, I, I would tell you not to. I would just tell you to stick to the internet, uh, because the risk to benefit ratio is completely out of whack. You risk more approaching a woman now than what you would actually get out of that. It's too much because you risk you run the chance of somehow making her uncomfortable or it being deemed as harassment and you can have a case against you. Um, you can end up being clowned on social media. I've seen that plenty of times of which uh, a, a innocent dude may approach a, a woman and he ends up getting laughed off on the internet. Like, oh, look at this dude. He tried to talk to me. And a woman eerily get a kick out of that in devaluing and stomping on men. Like that's another thing that's popular. Women love crushing men. It really turns my stomach and I hate when I see that. And that's another thing that's discouraged men and in, in approaching women is seeing that and being clowned for trying to approach and to take that shot. Uh, men are going to want to deal with that because women end up forgetting that men are people, too. Like you understand that we have emotions and we also have um, things that impact us. And so a man doesn't want to go through rejection just because historically a man has had to be the one who approaches and has the one who has to deal with the rejection side of things doesn't mean that he doesn't like being rejected or how that feels. And to then have that amplified to the masses of people and then have jokes about it. Once again, men are going to want to approach. And so this is the environment that's been created and uh, we just have to uh, adapt to that. And so I would also want to remind women that, the most respectful and kind men out there will probably never approach you. They probably won't. They probably won't be that guy who ends up saying like, oh, well, let me take you on a date or let me do this. It's probably, they're probably not going to say anything. They're probably shy. They're probably reserved. That, that's, that's, that's probably, that's what it's going to be. That's honestly what I see it being. I don't, I don't think that you're going to find that, that situation going in, in, in any other direction. Typically, those those kind, nice guys uh, probably they're not going to approach you. Don't know how I necessarily feel about this uh, woman approaching woman, uh, woman approaching men. Um, I don't necessarily know about all that, but even just initiating the conversation or just opening up that door a little bit can do a huge much right and give that guy the confidence to go further. Because once you give the guy the reins, so to speak, he can be able to take it from there. Um, and I'm, I'm saying like even just a hey, because many women like I don't understand your logic in this. Think that somehow staring at a man is an invitation to approach. What does that do? I don't know. Like, you know, sometimes, especially if I'm not wearing my contacts, I have great vision. Praise be to God. Right. But just farther, further distances, I can't really like see. So. You could be like staring at me, telling me like, oh, approach me. And I can't necessarily see your eyes. You could be staring something past me. You could be staring at the wall. And then I come and approach you and you'd be like, oh, what? Ew. A side note, that is one, that is one of the most disrespectful rejections. You get hit with an ill. Ill is worse than a no thank you. Uh, not interested. A ill. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. That's going to have you, you know, when you get home, you like, man. Yeah. Yeah. So please stop with with those foolish hints. Actually, just simply. Hey. Hey, introduce yourself. You need to you could even just say, hey, like the bar is set that low for you. Even just something as simple as that. Boom. And then the conversation can be able to flow from there and. That would just be an opportunity for him to pick it up from there. And so, yeah, uh, going back to that church environment, though, I definitely feel like that is the 
main space to where, um, you know, Christians would have an opportunity to speak because it isn't going to be creepy or uncomfortable at all because a church is a community, right? This is family. You've probably spoken to this person before. You probably know their parents, seen them before. So them approaching you won't be seen as something as off. So I believe that's the only place. Um, if you aren't ready, get your butt in a local church. Um, God is where his church is. So if you are not with the church, you are not. I would say that you're doing yourself a disservice in your growth and your walk with Christ. Obviously, the Holy Spirit resides in us, right? Um, and that the Lord is, is always with us, regardless of whether or not we're part of a local assembly. But in receiving the many blessings that God has, um, it's in his church. And so be a part of that local assembly. And, you know, you want to be able to find a significant other. Uh, the only place that you want to do that and feel it's on neutral ground um, and actually have a man just like cold approach you, meaning just come up to you out of nowhere and just start talk, talking to you. Uh, that would, The only place that would be is a church because it's not happening anywhere else. Um, women have completely turned men off from approaching them. And, you know, you, women have had their reasons, but... Uh, those reasons, a lot of them have ended up being drawn out and men just don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, hey, and that, that's a sad thing to look at, but, uh, that's, that's just the reality of things, man. You know, a lot of double standards. I mean, if a woman were to approach a man, it won't necessarily be as, you know, you know, dangerous as, or in the eyes of people, right? Because I see it just as dangerous especially in COVID because we're not able to see people's faces and that's kind of also heightened this creep weirdo like stalkerish thing and kind of like has you on edge but anyone approaching me who I don't know randomly I'm immediately on guard like hey whoa, whoa bro you, you too close back up back up I don't know you well what you trying to do which what you want to talk about right so it is the, uh, that natural aggression there right regardless if you're a man or a woman and so men have men have that that too. But in the instance and scenario with a man, if a woman ends up violating me in, in, in any particular way, whether she ends up, you know, uh, touching me or she ends up saying something that is, uh, you know, something on the grounds of sexual harassment. Nothing will come out of that. Right. We can just chalk that up under the rug, laugh it off. Right. You know, the. A uh, famous mantra of all men is it is what it is, right? You take that bottle up inside because, you know, we don't deal with our emotions um, and just chalk it up to the game um, and it'd be no problem. But if it's with a man, it is something that's going to be much more different. And the reason that that is, is because the feelings of men don't matter. Men don't matter. Society, women have said men do not matter. Your emotions don't matter. What you have to say does not matter. You're getting stomped on. And that's why I'm mean, saying, hey, hey we're, we're going. And I think that the church, once again, can have a huge role in, in, in changing that in in being that local church. But you're not going to bring men in with women pastors. Sorry. It's not Bible and it isn't going to draw any men in. Sorry, you're not going to draw any men in if you have this spineless preacher up in a pulpit you're not gonna do nope you need a shepherd who is going to be able to lead god's flock because men are just going to sit back and just go through things and go with emotions men are going to question and to poke and prod and challenge things and so they aren't just going to submit themselves and just follow just anybody and that's why typically when you have all women congregations or predominantly women congregations those are the churches where it's easiest, easiest to teach and to promote false doctrine because women are going to be the ones to necessarily pick up on that or challenge that. Easy for picking, right? Uh, what did Paul say? It was Eve that was deceived, not Adam. For a reason, God knows his, God knows his creation, both their strengths and weaknesses. Um, obviously, when they come together in that union, they compensate and complement each other. Um, but they have their strengths and weaknesses. So it's just it's just crazy and it's just sad to necessarily just see um, how, how things have changed and how um, women feel and how men feel as well. Um, you know, men, especially mental health, people don't care. But to those brothers, man, I really do care. 
because I go through the same exact thing. You know, I, I definitely have that feeling of being alone. No one wants to listen or care. But I'm here to say that I, I'm here to listen to you, man. I'm here for you, here to support you, bro. Um, side note about me, I take very seriously secrets. Um, unless we're speaking about something that's illegal, I treat your secret as my own. And I treat my secrets with this acronym, GMG, Guide Me in the Grave. Those are the only people who will know about the secret. God, me, and I'm taking it to my grave. So if you have something you want to confide in or tell me about, you can tell me. Ain't nobody ever going to know, man. Unless, once again, we're talking about something legal. Now, if something legal now, brother, I ain't going to jail. So you're going to have to get I'm sorry. It's just going to be one of those, my guy. But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just continuously praying, you know. But obviously, um, these things must happen. Things will get worse. Uh, but always need to be reminded of the promises of God and cling tightly to those that God is sovereign and that Christ um, will return. And so God has set aside and he has ordained each and every single event that is going to add up to that final um, that final point. And he has said in his word in Romans 8 that he has worked it out for the good of his people. It's not meaningless. It has a purpose and it's for your good. Um, and that good is not always necessarily rendered by your understanding of good, whether it be a job promotion or a, uh, a an increase in, in funds or perfect health. It could very well be the complete opposite of that, as seen with Apostle Paul praying for the thorn to be removed from his side three times. But the Lord told him that, no, that is not the case. But in God saying, no, as, as, as always, right, works it out for the good of his people. And Paul even explained to himself that the thorn in his side kept him humble. Because you have to remember that God is more concerned about your holiness than he is your prosperity. And so that will be my final words for today's podcast episode. I love y'all. Stay blessed. Stay up. Peace. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes another installment of My Thoughts, My Opinions. Remember, your voice matters, so please share your thoughts and opinions on these topics at MTS underscore MOS on all socials where you can find me and remain updated on all information about the podcast. When you post your opinion, tag me or put hashtag my thoughts, my opinions. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd appreciate a rating on wherever you're listening to this. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help me as well. Thank you. Stay up. Stay blessed. Peace. Peace.